Welcome to the Living Faith Missionary Church Podcast. You're about to listen to a message from Pastor Chris Starn, Senior Pastor at Living Faith in Yoder, Indiana. It is our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. We, we live in a, in a moment-by-moment time in our lives where we are constantly at battle. From the very time that, we, that we're born, life becomes a struggle. Life is a battle. And the enemy that we fight, uh, it's, their goal is to damage the church and to damage us and to try to draw us away from the gospel. We've been talking about this for the last three, three weeks. We've talked about the fact that who the enemy is. We've, we've looked at the enemy, and the enemy is more than just Satan. The enemy is the, the rebellious sons of God who, who are against us, and it's demons, and it's Satan himself. And we spent time, we've looked at them, we've looked at what they've done, the rebellions that they've, they've, they accomplished and what it did to the world. And, and so it is time for us, and it has been time for us, to prepare for battle. But we, we really haven't thought much about it in our lives. We, we struggle in our lives, but we, we haven't, I don't think most of us have thought, you know, well, I'm in the middle of a war. But we are, we are in the middle of a very war. The war, not just for our lives, but for our eternity. Satan, Satan and our enemy's goal is to keep us from loving God. To keep us from a relationship with God. And he'll do everything he can to keep that from happening. I, I want to I talk about the seriousness of this. This is not just some, you know, some, thing, some flippant thing that we think about. This is all-out war. And we must... Be ready for it. Because there are tools and there are weapons that the enemy uses that we need to make sure that we're aware of. Because we need to know how the enemy is fighting. If you're in the military, you know. The best thing you can do is know your enemy. If you know how the enemy fights, you can defeat the enemy. Well, you're supposed to be able to if they let you fight them, right? But we need to know what we're up against. And what we are up against is a, is a tool of the enemy that is dastardly and it's difficult to defeat. And that tool is temptation. See, the enemy uses temptation. It's a very powerful weapon in the enemy's hands. We know that, we see in Scripture that, that Satan used temptation to try to get Jesus to go away from the path that he was on. He tempted him in the desert. But Jesus defeated him. We're exposed to temptation every day. You you can't drive down the road and see billboards and not be tempted. If they're not trying to sell you one thing, they're trying to sell you something else, and they're trying to use sex to sell you everything. We are constantly bombarded with, with temptation on TV, commercials. You know, we've got, we've got Roku at home, so we try to avoid all the commercials. Well, then we started watching the Beverly Hillbillies. And you would think, what a perfectly innocent little show. But they've added commercials in. And most of the time, they've been fine. Well, now we have to find a different, different way to watch Beverly Hillbillies because what has happened now, there was a commercial about, I can't even remember what the commercial was about. But it ended up with two men who were in bed together. And, and let me ask you, I, I mean, I, I, I can tell you my whole thought about homosexuality. It doesn't matter. 
It's a sin. It's wrong. And we need to love them anyways. But why do you need to throw it in my face with my kids in the room? Luckily, my kids understand it. We've talked to them about it. But now, why should we even expose them to it? They need to know about it and know that it's out there and how to love people no matter what. But we can't condone it. We're exposed to it too much. And I think the problem is that we have become accustomed to temptation so much that we don't even realize that we're being tempted. Well, pastor, isn't that being just a little bit too, you know, being too puritanical? You just want to live in a place where, you know, everybody is just perfect little believers. Oh, yeah, I do. And one day I will. (laughs) But in the meantime, why would I expose my kids to temptation? I tell my kids all the time, don't do this. Why? Because I did it, and I know what the results are. And this is not just about today. This is about eternity. That's how important all of this is. That's how important this whole sermon series is on Ephesians. Is the fact that we are fighting this battle against evil. And it's not just for our lives, it's for our souls. And it's hard. It's difficult. And he's trying to defeat us. But what is the source? Where does temptation come from? How do we, and how do we fight against temptation? See, it's not. Go to the next slide. Just try to keep up with me. I'm not going to worry about that. Well, first of all, there are two sources of temptation that I want to talk about today. Two very important sources. The first one, unfortunately, is one of the hardest because temptation is here. Temptation comes from within us. It's in our nature. It's in our sin nature. It's part of having free will, which is an amazing gift. But with every good gift comes dangers. And the danger of free will is a sinful nature. James 1.14 tells us that temptation comes from within our own human desires. Now, there's nothing wrong at the core with human desires. I desire food. So what do I do? I eat, right? The problem comes in where I desire food I shouldn't be eating. And that carries through all things. I desire, I desire a, a, an intimate relationship with my wife. Let's put it that way. That's a wonderful, beautiful thing, a beautiful gift that God gave me in her. But when I search outside of that relationship, it's wrong. It's wrong. Now, so we, we are struggling from the inside. There's this human desires that we have. And we're tempted to fulfill those desires in the wrong direction, in the wrong way. And I know we say, you know, well, when I believed in Jesus Christ, I am a new creation. Why doesn't that go away? Because it doesn't go away because it's part of who we are. And we have to overcome it. That's the struggle. It's almost like having the enemy in with us, with me. It's like... You know, during, during a battle, you know, the enemy may be in your camp, and you don't even know it. 
See, we do know it. We know the enemy is here. The enemy is temptation. And it's not that we won't ever be tempted. It's that we can't fall to it. We can't give into it. We must control it. We must overcome it. In fact, we have to kill it. Paul says, put it to death. We've been forgiven. We have this eternal life, according to 1 John 5, 11. But we still feel drawn to, to temptation, with temptation, drawn to sin. It is part of being human. So we battle. We battle daily with our sin nature. We see something that draws us away from God, and we have to fight against it constantly. We battle with our sin nature. It's not instantly removed. It must be overcome. And the only way that happens is with the help of the Holy Spirit. We're not in this alone. You know, the Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians 5.16 that we need to walk in the Spirit. We have to walk in a certain way that keeps us from falling into temptation. Because the desires of the flesh are going to take over, so we need something else that we can do, so we need to walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, we're going to talk about that when we get into Galatians. After we finish Ephesians, we're going right into Galatians. Great dovetail for this, because we're going to talk about how do we walk in the Spirit? What does that look like? How do we do this? Well, one thing we have to realize is that the battle that we're fighting is not physical. I mean, sometimes I wish it was. I wish it was a physical battle because it'd be a lot easier. If you could just punch temptation in the face and be done with it, it'd be great. Or if you could get somebody else to punch them in the face for you, somebody who's stronger than you. See, the problem is, is that we can't do that. It's a spiritual battle. It's in here. I have to train. I have to be strong in order to overcome the desires of my flesh. You cannot do it for me. But... The Holy Spirit helps me in doing that. Psalm 51.5 tells us that we're sinners from birth. We have to realize one of the first things in this battle is to realize that we are all sinners. We're all sinners. And Psalm 51.5 tells us we are, not, we are sinners from birth. Not only from birth, as it says, but at conception. At our conception and our mother's wombs, we are are sinners and we come out of the womb with the need to to repent oh but those those precious young children yeah they are innocent at first but give them time you'll realize that they're not so innocent and they naturally do what's wrong that is their sin nature becomes a point in time in their age where they'll start exercising that sin nature and using it and they need to repent and overcome it. That's why God gave children to parents, because we've done it, we know what it's like, and we're supposed to help them along the way. But the world doesn't help us in the process, believe me. It, makes, it hampers us. None of us is righteous. We all must repent. And that's the first step in our battle. Our first step is to realize that we're sinners, and then to repent. Because this, look what it says in what it says in Galatians 5.17. It says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. It's this constant battle that's going on inside of us. What the spirit wants, 
what our good spirit wants, what we know that God wants us to do is constantly fighting against the flesh, against the desires of the flesh. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, I find that interesting. It doesn't say to keep you from doing the things you're not supposed to do or to keep you from doing the things that that you should do. The battle is constant between the spirit and the flesh. And the spirit needs to overcome the flesh to do the things that we're supposed to do, that we should do. But sometimes the flesh will overpower the spirit and will do things we're not supposed to do. We have to constantly fight that battle. I said last week, it's all about the choices we make. It is about the choices you make, because every choice you make has ramifications. Everyone. Now, there are some people, and when I say some people, I'll, I'll say there are some pastors in this world who will excuse our sinful nature, our sinful desires, by saying, well, you know, we're all broken people. You know, we've, we've got to give people some grace because we're all broken people. You're right. We are all broken. The problem is, is that you cannot continue to feed the brokenness. You can't continue to feed the, 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 the sin nature. It, you must repent. I mean, I've listened to some of these pastors, I've listened to some sermons where they talk about this, they talk about the fact that we are broken and, and, we, and we need a Savior, but they never say that you need to repent. And I'm like, no, you have to. You have to. In order to sign up to be in this army, you must sign up. And to sign up, you must repent. We have to overcome it or put it to death, as Paul says in Colossians 3.5. It's this struggle we face every day. And you know the bad thing about it is that we are our worst enemy. I am my worst enemy. Why? Because I can struggle with something and I can give in to my, my human desires and then I can hide it. Aren't we good at hiding it? Put on that smiley face on Sunday morning. Nobody knows what you've been doing throughout the whole week and what your thoughts were. That's the problem today. That's the apostasy that talks about in Scripture. We're not Christians when we do that. We're still broken. We haven't overcome the flesh. Well, we just, nobody's perfect. We can't do it. Yeah, you can, actually. The Holy Spirit can help us do it. It is possible. To overcome the flesh. Doesn't mean you won't still be tempted. You'll always be tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. And he's perfect. But you won't give in to the temptation. There's a great illustration in Romans that Paul gives. Romans 7, 15 through 20. I've said it a lot. And whenever I try to say it without looking at scripture, I always mess it up. So I have the actual scripture here. So I can read it. And we're gonna, I'm going to run through this. This is a great example of what we're talking about. Paul says, for I do not understand my own actions. Have you, have you ever been there? Have you ever been at that point where you're like, oh, why, why did I do that? Why, why, oh, 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 you dummy? You know, talk to yourself. I call myself dummy a lot. Dummy? What are you doing? Usually it's when I, 
I, I, I go in a room and I can't remember what I, why, why I'm in the room. I'm like, dummy, why are you in here? You know, but a lot of times it's because I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. You're like, no, 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 I don't understand, Pastor. Wait a minute, don't we want to sin? No. What I really want to do is to follow Christ. What I want to do is the right thing. That's what I want to do in my in here, at the core. But what do I do? I do the very thing I hate. What a, what a great example of what addiction is. And I'll be honest with you, humans are addicted to sin. We're comfortable with it. It's part of our lives. We're good with it. It shouldn't be. Now, he says, if I do what I do not want which is to sin, I agree with the law that it is good. We say, the law is good. The law shows me what I shouldn't be doing, and I don't want to do those things, so it's a good thing. That's good. So now, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Now, I want you to know that Paul is not saying that I'm that he's not excusing us from the fact that we are not doing it, but it's the sin living in us that's doing this. Because it's in us. We know it's there. It's inside. He says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. I have the desire to do the right thing, but I do not have the ability to carry it out. In the flesh, I can't do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. So I don't do the good thing. I keep doing the bad thing, which is what I don't want to do. Do you see the struggle that goes on in us? Now, if I do what I do not want, which is to sin... It is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So it's like, oh, great. Ah, awesome. I know what it is now. It's that sin living in me. Well, what are we supposed to do with that sin? We're supposed to put it to death. But what do we do? We don't. We invite it into dinner. We play with it. We skirt along the edge of it. Oh, I'm not really sinning. I'm in the line. Ah. Fools. Oh, what a wretched people we are. We have this war raging within us. We're hopeless. But praise be to God that through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we can have victory over the sinful flesh. We cannot do it alone. We try. Believe me, we try all the time. But without Christ, we cannot overcome it. That's the first source of temptation. The second source of temptation is from outside. It's from outside of us. And this comes from Satan and the spiritual forces of evil, darkness in the heavenly realms that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6.12. But you know that the reality is? The reality is that I don't need those spiritual forces out there tempting me because that sin nature that's inside of me tempts me pretty good on its own, and it'll get me to fall every single time. Satan and the enemies outside 
use that to tempt me, to get me to fall. Those are the billboards. Those are the commercials. Those are the programs. Those are the the things that draw me away. The entertainment, the Facebook, I shouldn't say the Facebook, but Facebook. Are they all evil? At their, at their, by themselves, everything's not evil in the world, but Satan uses it to tempt us. The enemy's out there, and they want to keep us from overcoming our sin nature. That's their goal, to make us not overcome sin in our lives. First Peter, oh, and let me just say this. I don't have this answer, I just thought about this. Why do they do this? Goes back to what we preached about the, I preached about the last three weeks. It's because there's this fight against God and evil. And guess what? We're the prize. And they're trying to take as many... They, they know they're not going to win. They, they know they can't win against an almighty God. But what they're doing is they're trying to take as many of us with them. You know that hell... Hell was not created for us. It was created for the Satan and his demons. The fallen angels. The sons of God who rebelled. That's what hell was for. But guess what? He's taking people with him when he goes. And his goal is to take as many of us from God as possible. Is that insidious? You better believe it. How do we fight this? Well, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5.8, he says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. We, we need to be on our guard. If, if you're in the military and, and, and your job is to guard the gate, do you take a nap? You may try, but you're going to be sorry when they catch you. You're supposed to be on your guard, sober-minded, especially if you're at a base overseas in enemy territory. Nobody gets by you. Nothing gets past you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, I always love that verse because it gives us a good picture of what Satan does. But let me ask you, have you ever watched a nature show and you see the lions getting ready to attack? Do they, do they growl? No. What do they do? They spring out and they chase the prey and make them run to wear them out. And then they catch the weakest one and they devour them. But that's not what it says here. It says Satan is like a roaring lion searching for someone to devour, which means we know he's there. He does not hide. That's the scary thing about it. He doesn't have to. Why? Because he comes as an angel of light. We think it's great. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? I love that. Yeah. That's Satan looking good to devour you, to trick you. So why do we need to prepare? He's coming. We know he's coming. Why do we need to prepare for it? Well, it's because you and I live in hostile territory. Our base is in the enemy territory. 1 Peter 2.11, he tells us that we are strangers in this world. That we are exiles. And, and, and we must not give in to our sinful nature. 
But see, the great thing is we're not traveling this world alone. You don't you don't send you don't send your 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 guys out into the field by themselves, one on one person at a time. You send a whole battalion, or you send the whole troop, or the whole crew, everybody out that you can, and then you have backup behind them. You may have you may have artillery. You may have the air force who's going to come in and you know do their thing. You you have your backup for them. We're not alone. We don't walk this exile. We're not in this world by ourselves. We don't travel it defenseless. God's with us to help us fight the battle. Both the one raging in here and the one raging out there. And God is all-powerful. There is no one who can defeat him. But the problem is we don't tap into that. It'd be like, you know, the guys down on the ground being, being, being suppressed by the, by the military, by the enemies shooting at them. And here, all they have to do is get on the, on the radio and call in an airstrike, and they're oh, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to call in an airstrike. Really? No, you're going to call in an airstrike. That's, that's what God is. He's that, he, he fights with us. We have this awesome promise from him in James 4, 7 through 8. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Don't be double-minded. See, God has provided everything we need for the battle. And he's, he's provided everything we need to be victorious. But the problem is we must be active and intentional in how we fight. So what do we do? Go back to Ephesians. Verse 13. It says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Now, as we explore, we're going to spend the next couple weeks exploring each of these pieces. And we'll do two today, and we probably do most of the rest of them next week. But as we explore these, we've got to realize something interesting about these, each of these. And I'm going to give you the, the pieces of armor here. What they stand for. There's the truth, there's righteousness, there's peace, there's faith, salvation, and the Word of God. You know, one of the first things we notice about this is that these are not virtuous actions that we're going to start doing. We're not urged to be good or do better. But what we can see is that they are all impacts of the gospel. See, the full armor of God is what our commander and champion Jesus Christ wore into his battle with Satan. To put it simply, the full armor of God is faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the very thing that the enemy wants us to abandon. But see, you must know and trust in Jesus Christ if you want to access to God's armory. And, and that's, that's not about repeating a prayer and then moving on with your life. You know, we, 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 we don't just repeat a prayer that somebody tells us. I, I know that this is something that the church has taught over the years, that if we just say the sinner's prayer, then now we're in the kingdom of God. But, you know, there's no place in Scripture that that prayer exists. 
Jesus, you know, doesn't come onto the scene and say, you know, the kingdom of God is near, so now let's say a prayer. What it takes is a commitment to a life that is directed and centered on Jesus and on what he did. So this means we actually have to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to train with the armor of Christ. Because no soldier goes into battle without training. I mean, to do so would be extremely foolish. So when we come here on Sunday morning, that is not the training. I, I am not responsible for having you learn what the gospel is. I give you the tools that you need. I, I preach you a sermon from scripture. And I go through it expositorily, which means I go verse by verse, book by book, hoping that you'll understand what the gospel is, what the Bible is. And I give you notes in the bulletin that has all the verses that I'm going to cover. And, and you should be going home and, and taking that list home and reading through it throughout the week. And if you have questions, you should be contacting me. There's a, a place on the website. You have my phone number. You can send me a text and I'll answer your question. See, I'm not responsible for your growth. You are. As a soldier of Christ, you are responsible for training, not me. I'm responsible for giving you the tools to train with. And I think this is something that is failing in the church today. We have people who go to a church, and all they want to do is sit there and listen. And they want to come away feeling good about themselves. Well, that time is over, brothers and sisters. That time is done. We are now coming to the pinnacle of the battle that's going on in this world. And we cannot just sit in the pews and listen to a sermon and be happy. It is time to get into the battle. It's time to suit up. It is time to train and how to use the armor of God. Because the battle is happening. And this is a battle not just for your life here on earth. But it is a battle for the very soul and for your eternity. This is serious. I think Satan has gotten into the church. He wants us to to have it be about what we want, what makes us feel good. It can't be anymore. It has to be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has to be about taking up our cross daily and following him. It has to be about sacrificing things for Christ. It has to be about spreading the gospel because Satan is taking a lot of people with him. And our responsibility is, is to share the gospel with them so that they do not fall for his schemes. You know, the armor of God that Jesus wore is illustrated in Ephesians 6 with, as a complete kit of a heavily armed Roman foot soldier. Which makes sense because Paul was there during the time of the Romans. See, we have to realize that Jesus, yes, defeated Satan at the cross. Jesus said, it is finished. He's won. The enemy is defeated. You and I are not going out and starting new battles with Satan. But what we are doing is living faithfully confident in the faith that Jesus has conquered the enemy. 
We are living lives. We are striving to be more like Christ every day. But see, we have to take it up. We have to put on the armor. God is not going to force you to wear the armor. We have to put on the armor of gospel convictions, and then we stand firm in that same gospel faith. You and I have no reason to fear Satan, the demons, the rebellious sons of God, because we are convinced that, we, that they have been defeated by the death of Jesus Christ. Second of all, if we look at these pieces of armor, they're defensive, except for one, which is the sword of the Spirit, which we're going to talk about next week, which is an offensive weapon. See, if we want to be protected from the assaults of the devil, who is trying to force us to abandon our faith, and we want to be able to put to death the sin nature that rages inside of us, we must simply keep wearing the armor that Jesus wore, which is faith in the gospel. Why do we do this? Why do we wear this? We wear this armor. It says in um, Ephesians 6.13, says, So that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. See, the evil day speaks of the days in which we are now living, the last days before Jesus' return. I, I'll be honest with you. We have been living in the last days since Jesus ascended to heaven. But in, in my spirit, I, I get this feeling that we're, every day as we're moving closer and closer and we see things falling into line according to God's plan. We see evil reigning in places that we never would have thought. We see things happening we never would have thought happened. We are living in the last days. It is also a reference to those times in our lives when Satan is particularly attacking our faith in the gospel that unites us as a church. He is weeding his way in. He is creating discontent. He is, he is attacking the unity of the church. Well, every day is a battlefield of spiritual warfare. Satan's going to try to stir up doubts in our minds and will divide us as a church. And then our own selfish sin nature will rear its ugly head and lead us from the truth of the gospel. Our confidence in the gospel is undermined and our unity as believers suffers. Our goal is to survive, to hold our ground, standing firm together in gospel convictions. Yeah, there's going to be times when we're going to take new ground. There's no doubt. But we can't take new ground if we're not holding our ground. And the battles we fight are hard. And while the armor is going to protect our lives... We will not make it through this life unscathed. I mean, you could put on a, 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 a whole bodysuit of Kevlar, and I could walk up to you with a shotgun, and I can shoot you, and you will probably survive if it's the right Kevlar. You're going to survive, but you're going to be sore. You're going to be bruised. And, and the blows that we take will rattle us and wound us at times. But we will survive. But we must stand firmly in Christ and persevere through those battles. So let's look at the pieces of armor that we're supposed to put on. Ephesians 6.14 Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt 
of truth. You, you, you see, do you see that active language in having fastened? You must reach and you must put it on. The belt of truth is the first piece of the full armor of God because without truth, we are lost. And then Satan's schemes will overpower us. The belt of truth of a Roman, the belt of a Roman soldier in Paul's day was not simply a leather strap with a buckle on it like we wear today. It was this thick, heavy leather with a metal band. And it had this protective piece that hung down the, in the front. And what it would do is it would actually hold the soldier's sword and any other weapons that he carried. See, so if we think about this, the belt of truth holds the sword of the Spirit, which links the truth with the Word of God. Isn't that, a, isn't that an amazing picture? John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. God's Word is truth. God cannot lie. I don't care what man says. The Bible has been proven true over and over and over again. Now, in our world, sometimes today, it's, it's hard to tell the truth from a lie. But we can rest assured that the ultimate truth lies in the word of God. We also know that Jesus is the truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the manifestation of truth. The only way to God is through Jesus Christ. Yes, Christianity, true biblical Christianity, is exclusive. It's open to everybody, but Jesus is the only way. If we don't preach Jesus Christ and Christ crucified, we are not preaching the gospel, and we are not showing people the only way to, to God. And Jesus has also called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth. In John 15, 26, he says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. See, you and I, we cannot survive on our own. Without the help of the Holy, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, you and I will fail. And without the truth, the rest of the armor would be of no use to us at all. Truth is of the utmost importance in the life of a Christian. And it makes sense that it is the first piece of armor listed. The belt of truth is a crucial piece of defensive armor guarding our innermost being in a battle against the lies and the deceptions of the enemy. See, because without an understanding of truth, we are left vulnerable to being carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. That's from Ephesians 4.14. If we are not in Scripture, if we are not studying on our own, if we are not if we are not learning on our own and being taught and asking questions, then we're going to be carried away by the wind of any doctrine that somebody tells us. If we don't know the truth of the gospel, then how can we say somebody is preaching the truth or not? The belt of truth protects us and prepares us for the battle that is part of every Christian life. The second piece that Paul brings up is the breastplate of righteousness. Continuing in verse 14, it says, And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Again, do you see that? Having put on. It's that active, I have to put it on. See, a typical Roman soldier would wear this breastplate that was made of bronze or chain mail to protect his vital organ, organs, namely his lungs, his heart. 
and his breastplate is connected with loops or buckles to the thick belt. And when you loosen that belt, it would allow the breastplate to slip right off. Huh. So if I am not wearing the belt of truth, how can I keep the breastplate of righteousness in place to protect me? I can't. See, to be righteous is to do what is right in God's eyes. But there's a problem. The problem is that there's no one righteous, not even one, according to Romans 3.10. And the breastplate of righteousness that we are to put on cannot be my own. It can't be my righteousness. Because our own righteous acts are no match for the enemy. We must put on Jesus' breastplate of righteousness that he purchased on the cross. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become, what? The righteousness of God. It doesn't say that we will become righteous in our own righteousness. It says it becomes the righteousness of God. When the Holy Spirit shows us things that we must change in our lives, we obey him and allow him to work in us because he is the spirit of truth. And if we ignore him, if we say no to him, then cracks begin to form in our armor and it'll open us up to allow the enemy's arrows to get through. And as we wear the breastplate of righteousness, we will begin to develop a purity in our hearts that will become our actions. And wearing this breastplate will create in us a lifestyle that puts action as the Senate, puts our, the words into action. What we believe in our hearts becomes what we do. And then our lives begin to resemble the image of Christ. See, our choices become more righteous. And our godly choices protect us from temptation and deception. The breastplate of righteousness must be worn correctly to protect us. Carelessness, abusing God's grace, disobedience, or unbelief, they'll all hinder our ability to stand firm against the enemy. If we tolerate sin in our lives, if we refuse to forgive others, if we try to rely on our own righteousness or allow the concerns of the world to crowd out our time for an intimate relationship with God, we are in effect taking off the breastplate of righteousness and we will fall to the enemy's attacks. We need the breastplate of righteousness in place to gain victory. Look at 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against us, the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So I tell my kids, you got to watch what you say. You, you've got to learn to take every thought captive. Make sure it's what's supposed to be said. But see, with the breastplate of righteousness firmly secured and remaining fully secured upon us, it'll protect our heart. And we do this by keeping our eyes firmly planted on Jesus Christ, who is the author and finisher of our faith. We put on the breastplate by seeking God and his righteousness above everything else. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6.33, he tells us to seek God and his righteousness first. But the world switches that around. Seek prosperity. 
Seek peace in your family. Seek a better job. Seek a bigger house, a better car. And Jesus says, no. That if you seek God and his righteousness first, all those things will be added to you. God will supply your needs if you seek him first. And when we do that, when we seek him first in the process, we begin to actually delight in the truth of God. And his ways start to become our ways. We, we need to put on the armor. We need to begin with the belt of truth fastened around our race, waist with, with space for the sword of the spirit and any other tools we need for battle. And we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts connected to the belt of truth. We're in a battle. So the question is, are, are we going to actually step into that battle? If we do, we're going to have to be correctly armed. And we must fight this battle with Christ at our side and our brothers and sisters in Christ at our side. Are you ready to suit up? Let's pray. Father, we praise you and I just thank you, Lord, for providing what we need. I pray, Father, that as we go, as we that we would contemplate these things in our mind for the rest of the week so that we can see that in areas of our lives where, where we fall short, where we let our armor slip, help us to stand firm. Help us to put on the armor that we need to put on as we prepare for hearing about the rest of the armor we praise you and thank you for your grace. Help us in those times of need, Father. Help us to seek you first in your righteousness above all else. We pray this in your name. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you for joining Living Faith on our YouTube channel. My prayer is that this message today has encouraged you and strengthened your faith in Jesus Christ. We would love to connect with you, so please subscribe to our channel and hit the bell so that you get updated when we add a new message. Also, please leave any comments you might have in the comments section. We would love you to join us live for our service on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We hope you have a great day today. God bless.